0: Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Jay Spooner and this is a very special episode of the Unlimited Archives, in my opinion. It's a conversation with one of our longest-serving collaborators, David Edwards, who I first met having listened to his music as the recording artist Minotaur Shock. He's composed music for loads of our shows and projects since 2008. And when we decided to stop making new work in 2023... I asked him if we could release the music he's made as a series of albums or EPs. David went back to all the original tracks, remastered them, and we're releasing them all into the world on the 26th of January 2024. Search it all up on whichever streaming platform you subscribe to on either his profile, Minotaur Shock, where we've released the soundtracks to The Moon, The Moon and The Noise, or on our profile, unlimited theatre it's a new profile where we're releasing everything else including african boys soundtrack to our 2023 show ancient futures as part of the process of revisiting all this brilliant music david and i started talking about how we'd work together to make it and during one of those conversations i said we should record this for the podcast and and you should do the edit on it put loads of music on it and that's what's happened i love this episode Not only does it showcase David's brilliant work with Unlimited over the last 15 years, but the conversation we have, I think, puts that music into a fascinating context. And you get a real insight into how he, as someone who had never worked in theatre before, responded to some of our frankly very strange requests and made it all. So yeah, welcome to this episode of the show. Guest edited by David Edwards, a.k.a. Minotaur Shock. So, hi. Hi. Who are you? <laughs> and and how do we know each other?
1: <laughs> I'm David. I record music as my natural Shop. I'm based in Bristol. Uh, I've released a number of albums, and I think in the mid-2000s, you got in touch with me um, about doing some music for a theatrical production. Yeah, show. Sure. And, and I, actually, did you actually say that I mean, I what I should have done before this is gone back to the emails if I could find them to find out what you actually said because I, I don't know if it was hey we've got the show would you like some music or was it hey should we have a chat I do meet, I do shows but anyway if you've got it you're going through the archives That's fine. now yeah I'm going back to fascinating to know so 2007 how would you've got in touch with me as well was that before the internet <laughs> <laughs> no. It was before was. Maybe it was Twitter or something like that. Was that no no, I emailed when you. When was Twitter about? Where'd you get my uh, email? Where'd you get my email address from? No GDPR in them days either.
0: No. Yes. It must have look, the internet existed and I we all had emails. I haven't got the original mail here. But I've got I clearly wrote to you so this was December two thousand and seven. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I then in March two thousand and eight came down from Leeds to Bristol, to, and I'd given you a copy of the script for The Moon, The Moon, and we must have just met and chatted, and you'd... Got on
1: like a house on fire.
0: But I remember that first meeting was good, right? And I suppose, we, because regardless of where it started... 'Cause we'll come back to the moon, the moon in a sec, but that was two thousand and eight. Yeah. And we've been working together. You've been making music for unlimited shows and projects and events ever since. So that is fifteen years of collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've yeah. just been remastering all of the music that you've
1: made for the company, right? Yes. What's
0: that been what's that been
1: like? Tortuous. Um, the, hmm. the biggest The biggest problem is actually finding it, and obviously, fifteen years is a long time when you've got no real conception of archiving or looking after things you've done. Which I don't. So, yeah, I was ripping my hair out sometimes trying to find these tracks. Like, I know I did this. And I know I've got it somewhere. I've got, about, I've got a drawer full of old hard drives. Some of them work. Some of them don't work. Plugging them all in, like trying to search for them on computer, different computer systems. Oh, it was it was horrible. Um but I found it in the end. I guess the remastering thing comes from it, it, at the time, it was it, the music was always going to be played out. It wasn't people weren't gonna be sort of recording it, listening to it again and again on their headphones. It was gonna be part of the show. It was part of the experience that someone would have. And the initial when you initially said, Oh, we're gonna we're thinking of archiving it and putting it all up on streaming, I was like, Oh, hang on a minute, does it stand up? Is it is there enough detail in there? Is it does it stand alone? Um, and did I do a good enough job of making it sound good i mean it's fine coming out of big pa as part of a performance but there was a lot that could be improved in terms of the clarity of it
0: yeah but you're talking about like a a technical level in terms of the production the mastering of of the original tracks right i think you were surprised at being reminded how good the music actually
1: is oh yeah it was it was um some of it was quite amazing in that i don't know how i did it and i couldn't work out what i'd done if you know what i mean there's some drums on it for example i can't tell if i played them or if i programmed them and i still don't know and i guess the other thing that kind of amazed me was like where did i get the time to put all of the detail in there that i'm probably only for me to be honest i did all of that and so tiny that you probably wouldn't you wouldn't notice it if you were sat in a theater watching a performance but um I think it's part of the fun of actually working on something I wouldn't normally work on. For shows like The Noise, there was a lot of um, ambient kind of field recording stuff in there that I'd forgotten about. In The Moon, The Moon, it was kind of... There were so many themes and things I think I was trying to nod towards. I'd totally forgotten about, and I probably put far more thought into it than I remembered putting into it, (laughs) which sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Because I remember. I mean, can you remember what the
0: process was like for working on that first project together, The Moon, The Moon? Because that was not just a show that had a lot of underscoring and ambient stuff and uh, sort of sound tracking and sound like elements that you were giving to a sound designer to use and use as beds inside scenes. But it also had actual songs in it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think again, because it was my first time doing this, I kind of thought that was like standard. It was like, okay, I'll just do some backing tracks for some songs. Um, The way that it came together in terms of those more kind of sound bed stuff and the sound design, listening back to it now, the songs almost sound different to the other stuff.
0: Well, I think people are going to get the chance to listen to it, aren't they? So they'll be able to hear. I think you're absolutely spot on. The songs sound very different to a lot of the other Material that you made, which is very Minor Minotaur Shock. And you were, I think, surprised going back when we were starting to have this conversation about re releasing this stuff, um, that it sounded very much like Minotaur Shock to you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, some of it. And, you know, that's probably what you were after anyway. And it's probably, I'd done a bit of stuff um, on commission, but nothing too much and I think The Moon, The Moon in particular you gave me a bit more free reign not not that you didn't give me free reign with the other stuff but there were some later shows that were very we need this, it needs to be this long and this is what's going to be happening, can you do this and obviously your requests got more and more stupid as we went along anyway but I think I think the songs for example you did give me some references for the songs I think one of them, is it Fight Song? you gave me a Radio Ed song as a reference and I was kind of okay I need to make this sound like Radio how am I going to do that in my bedroom? But I think that gives it a bit of charm. It's that kind of trying to push my small setup further than it should have been pushed. Um, and going back to those songs, it's really interesting to hear that. Um, me sort of pulling together scrappy bits of drums that I'd recorded in Garage and sampled and then reprogrammed to try and make it sound like it was a band playing it, but kind of failing, but getting this kind of weird in-between thing that I quite like. That in The Moon The Moon was quite interesting to me is hearing those songs where I don't think I was ever present in the room with Helen who sang on them. I think we did that. She recorded it, sent the the vocal takes over and I kind of stitched it together that way. Thing for me, with the moon, the moon was actually getting to see it in the audience and see the song sung live, but actually being part of that audience, hearing the music you made quite loud. Um, it's different from performing it live on stage, even for an electronic musician, when you're kind of most of the music you know, it's all in a box or whatever, and you're stood there kind of triggering things, but you are behind it and it's pushing out to the audience. It's kind of you're sitting in the audience. I don't think you get that as a musician, you are kind of with the people who can hear it as well. And you kind of know, you know, they're not there listening to the music particularly, but when the songs come on, they are, that's, that's what's going on. So it's kind of...
0: Where did you see it?
1: Oh, I can't remember.
0: But yeah, I was thinking about this process and it all of our processes have been very remote. It's you and me basically doing this on, I guess it would have been Skype to begin with, but uh, often quite late into the evening or at night, having big conversations about how things could work and then you going away and making things and yes with the moon the moon having to write songs i can't remember if we gave you the lyrics to write to or
1: i did find some demos where i'd almost played the vocal melody so i'm assuming not But it's interesting you say that. We had these conversations late at night because going back to the original files, the timestamps on some of those files is ridiculous. It's kind of, all it's very nocturnal. (laughs) I must have been having these conversations with you and then, you know, staying up with my, well, 15 years ago, I probably could have stayed up later than I can now and getting stuff done.
0: Because then we would have, you would have sent us the music and like for the songs, I do remember really vividly recording them at, in the studio, at Curve which is a big theatre in Leicester who were the co-producers on that show yes
1: I did go there now you've mentioned it oh did you come there yeah okay. were you
0: there I don't were you there for the recording
1: not for the recording but I definitely I must have seen the show there oh okay yeah and Mick
0: Poole who was the sound designer on that recorded everything all the lyric all the um the vocals with helen cassidy who was the moon in that show yeah and chris and or claire wrote the lyrics for that but yeah, yeah. it was only in the coming together of actual performance that all of those elements yeah happened because helen was singing live in over the, the show in
1: tracks over the backing the back yeah yeah and i think for throughout all of the shows that whole thing of There weren't many that I was that involved with in the rehearsal stage, the noise I think I was more involved with, but most of them, the first time I got to see it was either an early showing of it or the actual performance of it
0: well let's talk about the noise because you did come up to newcastle who were our it was northern stage were our co-producers on that project and you came up and spent like three or four days with us you brought your drum kit you brought a load of MIDI controllers you set up in the room like while we were devising and making up the story and trying to write stuff you were with us you did a i don't think you remember this but you basically did a little gig for us a live gig for us to go this is what i'm playing at the moment yeah can you remember any of the process
1: that you went through um with the noise there was a lot it was a lot of work put into the kind of atmosphere side of things um i vaguely remember coming up with my drum kit i remember setting it up i don't remember doing the gig but then you know maybe that's just old age um but yeah, listening back to it now, it, there's, again, a lot going on in the noise um, that sort of reflects what I was doing as my natural shock at that time.
0: Yeah, well, um, you were saying earlier, but and you, I remember you messaged me uh, well, during this remastering process where you were really excited saying... I've, I've got the messages here. Just did a dog walk listening to the noise. It sounds great. It's like I put a load of Easter eggs in there for future me to discover all over again. The mastering has really pulled out all of the weird field recordings of flapping albatross wings and grunting seals. It's nice listening to it while thinking about talking to you about it. Like in terms of what musical influences are in there. The choice of palette. My interpretation of how it fits with the script, etc. So you did put a lot of thought into it. And I think re-listening to it clearly triggered a lot of that. And...
1: Did you make field recordings of no? No, Wings? No, I cannot take credit for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think probably, I mean, the noise, the actual location of the noise was never really clear to me um, other than it was an island somewhere. And I think in my head, it turned into the Arctic in the middle of the North Pole. It turned into Iceland. It turned into, you know, some island off Western Supermare. It was all this kind of mishmash of islands tied in with i think it was like a scandy noir thing going on of like bbc4 drama kind of stuff so it was over there as well so it was this like weird place and then i think i had this um this really old vinyl record of field recordings that i was kind of listening to and that was proper arctic kind of noises and that was the seals grunting and stuff but it had this kind of sh- crackly sheen on it which gave it a weird sort of this sort of removal from that pristine field recording thing. But also, there was this. Um, I remember getting this. Um, it was a sampler instrument that uh, Chris Watson, the field recorder, made a sampling instrument where he'd recorded underneath water, he recorded ice flows and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was a commercially available thing you could buy. But it was mapped out chromatically. You could play tunes with it and all of that with these field recordings. So it was a combination of that and the crackly record that kind of. Melded together to make this kind of bed that sits through a lot of that stuff. Even the stuff that doesn't sound like it's got this field recordings is still there somewhere. That's what I was peeking out to my ears when I was listening to it again on the dog walk.
0: But we should say as well, in both the Moon, the Moon and the Noise, there's some real bangers. It's not just seals grunting and albatross wings. No. like they really, really, vibey songs.
1: Yeah, there was some. There's some quite. It's probably the most. Some of it, particularly the noise, there's some quite aggressive kind of. It's not like something I would normally do, but listening to an that's like, actually, yeah, this is this is good. it's that kind of outlet okay i can do this because i could just do go where it go where it takes me kind of thing rather than oh i need to do this because this is what i normally do so i'm going to do it this way it was more let's just see what happens
0: and do you have tracks that you're particularly proud of having gone back i mean you did me a list of all the things and it's like there must be a hundred tracks that you've written and made over the last 15 years for us are there any that really stand out for you as ones that, are like, yeah,
1: I love that? Um, I'm not sure that I love it, but hmm. the theme to the Giant and the Bear was the one that impressed me the most when I re-listened to it. Really? <laughs> because yeah. you've
0: always talked about how. Because I was, I was going to ask you a question. You know what? What is the stupidest thing that I've
1: asked you to make? And
0: I thought that that might be that.
1: Um. Yeah, but. I, it probably is that. It actually, it's probably one of the mashups that you've asked me to make that we cannot, for legal reasons, release ever again or hear ever again. Um, but I think the Giant and the Bear, while being a stupid, it's not stupid. It was—it's a, a circus theme show. It's kind of so it needs to be circusy music. Now I've, I've got no formal musical training or no what I'm doing at all. Um, so I think listening back to that and hearing, although it's all synth—it's not synth- you know sampled brass instruments sample drums or programs and stuff but I was kind of surprised how not necessarily authentic it sounds but how much like Circus music it sounds <laughs> and how quite it's quite complicated I think there's a lot going on in there and it sounds like a stupid kind of fanfare kind of when we were talking about this the kind of circus scream I was the only kind of reference yeah. set. Like, <laughs> like how do you do something like that again it's like you know how to do radio in your bedroom it's like well how do I do that in my bedroom but listening to the giant and the bear and the way that there are distinct parts of that theme that echo throughout the whole soundtrack but it's a fan fed and it gets quite annoying when you're remastering because you hear it at the start of every song but that was kind of you know that's the the ringmaster coming in or the bear car i can't remember what it was but that little motif and then you've got you've just got the melodies there that then can be stripped out of that main theme and used across all the other different bits of music in that show in slightly different ways different um genres.
0: i think it's important maybe to just be clear that the giant and the bear was very different from stuff that we'd made before so the moon the moon was a very adult show about grief and loss the noise was the scandy noir grown-up thriller uh maybe we'll come back to the space agency stuff in a min but the giant and the bear was a uh a family show that we made in a big top in Leeds that happened, it was like a, a mix of theatre, game design and a circus where there was, the giant circus had come to town the giant who you never saw the giant is capitalism and uh, <laughs> the, the bear was trapped in roller skates by the giant because there were rules the giant had about no bears in the air that's sad because the bear's biggest desire is to fly in the air like his sister uh, who is the star of the circus um so the giant had locked him in his roller skates as well all bears must wear roller skates at all times and the story was how the audience helped the bear to escape his roller skates and get in the air and fly like his sister and that was all soundtracked by your brilliant, brilliant music. And there's some really beautiful stuff in there as well that you've written as well. Um, the moment where the bear takes off and, and does get to fly is really is really beautiful. You also... I must have given you a Twin Peaks reference at some stage yeah. to do. There's a track in there called the Red Room,
1: which is basically... Yeah. For- it's... um, There's two tracks, again, going through that. There's a track called Duet, and then that... I can't remember what part I think that was a dance between the bear and his sister maybe or something it was it.
0: Was a two- no, it yeah yeah it was for a trapeze double act between Garisho and Roshin with the performers the, the ah. uh, yeah and but it there's, was a, it was a waltz wasn't it
1: yeah music tells a story there's two parts to the music and it's kind of a call and response thing it's not um and it's just tune and then they all come together at the end but that duet was kind of a short piece for that bit of choreography but then the red room you're talking about the david Lynch thing is a kind of a weird version of that though again it's, it's that picking up the melodies in that duet thing which is quite a simple folky kind of waltz and then hearing it again it's, it's, it does sound like you know i, I don't have any recollection of making it but i did make it (laughs) but it's that kind of using the same themes in a different way and that red room yeah it was um again probably why that whole giant and the bear thing is probably the thing i'm most proud of because it is that kind of okay we've applied this to different genres to to soundtrack different moves and different things
0: yeah the red Room stuff was underscore for the ringmaster who i played before the audience were allowed into the circus proper, they had to have a briefing. Right. They were told how dangerous the circus is and they were told all these stories about all the things that had or could go wrong in the circus and it underscored that. So it was a bit spooky for a family audience with, you know, terrible accidents happening to people.
1: And that's what that was used for. Uh, and I think that show was... I remember bringing my kids up to see it up in Leeds. Um, and they were just at the right age for it. So,
0: again, that's probably why I've got such a kind of warm feeling about that one as well. It's the most, the most little experience. So, just a little anecdote on that. Layla, who, Layla Rosa, who was my co director on that, who's a brilliant circus artist and I found a founder member of one of my all time favourite theatre companies called Shunt. She, uh, her youngest, or her, wait, one of her kids came up during rehearsals and they came to the Big Top where we were rehearsing and they saw Sebastian who was playing the bear. Now, Sebastian's uh, efforts to look like a bear was simply to grow a big beard and wear a, a, a bear sort of hat. It had, he had like a fur hat with ears on top of it. So he didn't look like a bear and he was in roller skates. So he was practicing his roller skating in the Big Top and Layla's little boy who was I think four at the time absolutely refused to go into the big top. We also said, why? You know, Come into the big top. We'll show you around. Said, There's a bear in there. <laughs> Utterly convinced that the bear yeah. was in there roller skating. Yeah, it's one of my favourite shows, actually. But all of those elements coming together, the storytelling, the, the game playing, the music, the circus. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Um, okay, so if that was your proudest, what is? Because I have asked, you've referenced some of the mashups. that Yeah. You've done, and this maybe happens mostly in the context of the Unlimited Space Agency, which you've written a lot
1: of music for. Um, um, there was definitely a um, Queen, Giant and the Bear mashup. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, which, is, which is the first one, though, I think. I was like oh, should I be doing this probably not I shouldn't be doing it. I feel wrong this is wrong doing this but uh, it was fun you mashed up Don't Stop Me Now
0: with your giant and the bear theme tune and you put a drum and bass
1: uh, drum beat yeah. under it as uh, well yeah <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favourite things. I think that came quite late in the day after I'd kind of come up with the the kind of theme and the fanfare and this, oh yeah, I've done this bit of circus music. And then you're like, yeah, can you mash it up with Don't Stop Me Now for the end? It's like, not even in the same key. It's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know how it worked. I don't, I'm not convinced it does work, but it was a lot of fun.
0: does work, in my opinion. The other... I remember you talking about... um I asked you to do a mashup of... Push... No, not Push the Button. It's not Sugar Babes. Uh, of Chemical Brothers. Oh, I was um, going to call the the it button. Push the Yeah, it is Push the Button. It is Push the Button. What was but, it um, mashed uh, up with? Because I remember that. It was mashed up with... Uh, maybe it was Don't Stop Me Now Again.
1: No. Was it? You wouldn't use it in two shows.
0: I think it might have been... Uh, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love Don't Stop Me Now? Um, and you saying, this can't work, there's no way, they're in different keys, different times, uh, I just don't see how I can make this work. And about 24 hours later, you delivered an absolute banger, <laughs> having, having made it work.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are definitely the stupidest things. That um, Yeah, I, I, I do remember, it's, it's kind of this like, couple of stages like this is stupid this is a waste of time and then it goes into actually oh, is this going to work and then the absolute elation for five minutes like yeah this works this is brilliant and then <laughs> go to sleep wake up in the morning like what have I done that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's wrong
0: what have I done and you know I am going to use
1: it <laughs> yeah yeah and it's almost like I'll oh, send it to them and then I'll just forget it ever happened and hopefully I won't come across it again
0: you also wrote The theme tune to the Unlimited Space Agency, which has probably been the most played, most heard piece of music, given the amount that we've toured with it and the amount of content that we've made online and for YouTube that uses it, are you not proud of that one? Um, I get.
1: I. I, I, mm. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the one with the kids saying we are unlimited?
0: We are unlimited. We.
1: fun obviously i've not been exposed to it as much as you i probably did it send it to you and now you've had it playing every time you've done something for the last like five years or whatever um whereas for me it was kind of rediscovering it when hearing the remastered stuff um yeah it's it's fun it is i, mean, fun. I, I was kind of like, how did you get the kids to do that i because again i don't think i was involved in getting the the kids to shout we are
0: unlimited no I mean, I've had a lot of fun over the years getting those samples, like doing the bits of recording to send to you. And that one was just going into my kid's school. And I went into every year group uh, with the permission of the head teacher, who is a brilliant, brilliant teacher, really into getting people involved, kids involved in creative stuff. And I went into every year group and got them all to record shouting, we are Unlimited, And then I think I got loads of them to sample other bits of stuff that was uh, taken from the moon landings, but said by kids. Yeah, yeah. And then somehow you use it all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The one thing they did, um, and I don't know if you use this, but there's a version of some, um, like a robot version of Unlimited. Yes, it's Um, cool. And again, there was another one that says how... I don't know if I'd be able to do if you asked me to do that now I wouldn't have a clue about what, what was going on with the kind of vocoder the robot voices. There's a lot of different robots in there. I don't know, you know, I didn't phone up that Funk and get them to do it, so I must have done it. Um, but that whole I've never done anything like that with all those robot vocoder voices before. I can't remember doing it. It's actually quite good though.
0: It's really, it really slaps. do remember i think it might have been a demo that didn't get used <laughs> there was a load of i mean there's a load of versions of a track called landing which was for the end of mission to mars because i yes. could not make up my mind as the director of that how to end that show for ages i think i ended up using alzo sprague zarathustra but got you to do loads of different speed versions of
1: something. i think that's yeah um mission to mars so that was was that after the moon the moon yeah, I, yeah, and I think that was a different thing because that one was much more, like you say, it was much more. The music had to be, it was tied into the choreography and the length of different scenes and all that. It was much more of a process of this is going to underscore what's going on, so it needs to fit in the right time. Whereas I think the Moon, the Moon was a bit more freeform, and there were songs and that, but it was almost like the music led on some of that. Um,
0: There's some really beautiful stuff inside that Mission to Mars um, soundtrack, though, like the Spacewalk theme tune is very beautiful. And there's one called, it underscored a really beautiful speech that I think Claire must have written for the actor Lucy Ellenson to perform, which is all about, if I don't make it, just remember, it's a really beautiful speech, I might sort of use it in here, but
1: that's a stunning piece of music. Yeah, there's some, there's some nice stuff in Mission to Mars as well. There was one, and again, listening to it again, I think it was there were two versions of the spacewalk theme. One of them was um, just reminded me of the bit in You Only Live Twice at the start, but the little space capsule gets eaten by the big one. And I don't know <laughs> if that was subconscious or deliberately, oh, this is about space, so I'm going to, what's in my head, what music about space, and that whole John Barry theme tune maybe came through in it. I don't know. The other thing that has kinda of struck me about Mission to Mars was the the main theme is is daft. It's a big daft theme. Um it's a lot of fun. And I think it sounds a there's sort of a guitar ding 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 ding, ding. Yeah I think I was probably trying to nod towards steps doing tragedy. I it <laughs>
0: think lucy the actor will be delighted
1: to know that she was being underscored <laughs> i think at the time i didn't realize it but you know distance and time you kind of oh, yeah what are you doing? <laughs> You're just trying to do something fun but again mission to mars there's a lot of so much guitar on that and i can't play guitar particularly well so, but you know i must have been rocking out
0: i think you've played all the You played all the instruments on a lot of this and I know that a lot of it is in the box but actually I distinctly remember you yeah, recording live drums for certainly a lot of the earlier stuff. You've always played uh, the guitar for a lot of the tracks. I think you've got some other musos in to play other instruments live as well. Did you get someone in to play I want to say some
1: clarinet you were using a lot of clarinet or maybe oboe Um, I might have Yeah, I might have used samples of stuff that I'd pre-recorded. I didn't. I don't think I got anyone in to play anything for the shows, but I I can't remember. I probably recorded some stuff and then chopped it up and used it. Um, There's definitely some fake clarinet on things like the ethics of progress stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. So during this was during lockdown, wasn't it? We did. A big piece of development on what was an old show, The Ethics of Progress, which I made in 2007, I think, and toured for ages because it was like a one-person show about quantum physics. Everyone loved it. It was relatively easy to get up and out. And then in 2020, when we were in lockdown, I wanted to make a new version of that show yeah. with another actor, another deaf actor, and we got you to write some new music for it. And the music is like was really good, but you're not going to we're not going to release that as part of this project there was some of them
1: yeah so the the lockdown um for me i got a i got a particular synth just before lockdown a digitone electron digitone um, and i spent a lot of lockdown just sitting with that one little box Um, i made a little mini album which came out in 2021 um which is just using that box and i also made some of the music for the Ethics of Progress on that box I basically made a ton of tracks on that box um, some of which ended up on the, the mini album that came out some of which ended up as demos some of which I added things to I think there's some sort of live drum loops and stuff that I added to for the Ethics of Progress stuff which then I think got the drums got taken off off of the tracks that were used um, because it worked a bit better
0: Yeah that would have been by Elena who's Elena Pena who's the sound designer that I've i've worked with quite a lot who's done a, a lot of the mission to Mars stuff she is the voice of Minnie john um but yeah she's an amazing sound designer and turned a lot of that those stems that you yeah. sent for that into the soundtrack for
1: the yeah because again that one was very much here's some tracks i don't know if they're gonna fix i don't really know i didn't i don't think i'd seen the show so it was it was more like here's the rules stuff that then i then tweaked into what was used in the show and you know you've sent me the video previously and it worked so well Um, but yeah there was there's definitely one piece within that that um I started for the show but it's kind of you now developed into something which is fitting into my next album release which is coming out this year, hopefully if I finish it, um April. Um so I'm gonna pop that one on there. But the other the other tracks are remastered. Um so they'll be on the Unlimited archive, however that turns out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the plan at the moment is we're going to release all of this music for people to hear because people often ask, have often asked in the past, can I listen to that music? And we've always had to go, no, actually. Um, but you are going to release uh, through your, through Minor to a Shock, I think, is this right? Yes. You're going to release the soundtrack to The Moon, The Moon, and the soundtrack to The Noise. Yeah. and unlimited theater will be a featured artist on there so people will be able to listen to that on either your on whatever platform anyone uses on either your or our profiles and then we're going to release all the music as like EPs to mission to mars yeah uh the giant and the bear money the game show which we haven't talked money about. the game show yeah yeah money the game show money was the just game. claire's claire's 2013 play in response to the global financial crisis which was a game show on stage which the audience played with £10,000 in real money. Yeah, yeah you composed really cool. music um, for that.
1: Basically a daytime TV quiz show theme. Um, probably most influenced by Going for Gold, that kind of show. Um, <laughs> but again, yeah, But again, there's some stuff in there which again was like, oh, this is quite dark and surprising. So yeah, that's all been remastered and some of the stuff that didn't end up in the show is linked to it it's also there so all of this is going to be available
0: yes alongside soon. yeah, alongside as well i should say that um most recently worked with another artist african boy on the music for ancient futures which we toured just last year in 2023 so that will be up as well including uh, he's done an epic mix of all of the music from that into one continuous track. We talked about doing that for some of your stuff as well right?
1: Yeah I keep saying I'm going to do that.
0: Well, I was wondering because you did a beautiful thing that you did uh, for us, for me was at the finale event that we did in September last year you came up and you played live and you had remade some of the tracks?
1: Yeah I the ones that I could find throughout the myriad of dead hard drives, I kind of, yeah, I, I just chopped out all the stems and re, re, reformatted it all into a kind of live set where I could actually do things live to it. Um, yeah, it a mashup of all different themes, really, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: It was a lot of fun. I was really quite moved by you doing it, actually. And you have said, oh, I should... I should go back and
1: Yeah. I'll do I that will, again. I'll record it. Yeah.
0: We've well, said it out, it out loud now. So I have said it out loud, but
1: I've said that out, out loud before I still out loud. <laughs> 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 I will do. I just need to clear up some space and, you know, wash it out, but yeah. Okay.
0: Um What has been your what will be your abiding memory of the experience
1: of making all this music here? Um, I guess for me, the key thing that I've, well, I've learned a whole load of stuff through doing this, but I think from someone who, I used to play in bands, um, but for the most part of my musical career, um, I've done stuff on my own. It's not been a collaborative process, it's been me, it's been me making the decisions thinking, Is this right? I don't know, but let's do it anyway. But I think that whole collaboration thing is something that is it was, it was new to me for The Moon, the Moon. Um it's particularly collaborating in a kind of field which isn't, you know, music as in putting on gigs, releasing records kind of thing. It was music for a different format. But it's actually working with you in particular and the wider team teams for the different shows. Um it's been a really good experience. And I think that's the thing I'll take away is that collaboration, that thing where you're actually, yeah, it's you doing it. You're making decisions, but you're not making the decisions for you. You're making them with something else in mind and a different way of actually presenting that music in mind, which has been really, really interesting and really refreshing. And really, I think it's really helped with me making music in general anyway. is that kind of having that kind of one ear on, where this is going to end up and what it needs to do to achieve what it needs to achieve which may not be necessarily what i think it should be should achieve that doesn't make any sense i think it I know does what I, mean.
0: I think i get a really strong sense of what you mean you've been a really brilliant collaborator i have loved the conversations those late nights but also just your creativity you know your openness your uh, your generosity in responding to some of the vague sometimes things that I might offer or say to you and always coming back with something brilliant
1: yeah maybe I should have said no more no no (laughs) but I think that's that's when you kind of you know it's, it's by accepting those challenges I think that has made it you get that sense of achievement after you do it whereas if you're just doing oh yeah I can do that I'll just I'll just quickly bosh that out and it'll be done it's kind of oh I don't think I can do that but I'm going to tell him I can do that and then I'll work it out when he's not in front of me kind of thing I've really enjoyed it yeah yeah
0: I'm really pleased that we're going to get to release all of this as well so that people can enjoy
1: it either again or come to it new and it will be a lovely, another part of the legacy. It's interesting, isn't it? Is it? That whole kind of does this work if you're not sitting there watching the show? I don't know. I mean, for me, I've, I've got a vested interest in the music. I enjoy listening to it because it's kind of got that kind of nostalgia thing. But it was never intended to be listened to standalone. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see... Well, I don't know if I'll ever see, but you know, if people enjoy it then brilliant. If it works without it, great. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, you were pleased and it seemed to the reception for it in the show seemed to be good. So uh, we'll win, is it? Yeah, yeah.
0: And who knows, maybe one of these will blow up and you'll earn a pension from it. Exactly, that's that's the plan. Someone listening to this that's got like a million users on TikTok, use one of these tracks and yeah. and help just, an just, artist just, out. Just, okay. <laughs> Hehehe <laughs>